Welcome to the second episode of My Circus, My Monkeys. Today, we're going to be talking about talent. When most people think about talent, they think about the physical manifestation of that talent. So if you're talented at singing, you can hear the melodious tones coming from someone's voice. If you are talented at math, you can see someone, goodwill hunting style, working out problems quickly, throwing their calculator against the wall. But talent goes much deeper than that. I am a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, and Gallup has studied talents ad nauseum. They've identified over 400 individual talents, but to make sense of that, they've bundled together similar talents into talent themes. So if you've taken the Clifton Strengths, aka Strengths Finder Assessment, you will see what your top talents are. A lot of people refer to that as your top five, and those are talent themes. Those are bundles of talents. If you haven't taken this assessment, not a big deal. We're going to talk a lot about talents, and I'm going to explain everything. As part of their research, Gallup found that the chances of you having the same top five talents in any order, again, these are bundles of talents that are similar, the chances of you having the same top five are one in 278,000. The chances of you having the same top five in the same order, one in 33 million. That just shows how unique everyone's talent set really is. The millennials are right. Today on our episode, we're going to learn exactly what a talent is and how it really impacts your life. So stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, Keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. Our talents are unique and they run deep. Harley King said, Sometimes we fight who we are, struggling against ourselves and our natures. But we must learn to accept who we are and appreciate who we become. We must love ourselves for what and who we are and believe in our talents. What does this mean? So often, especially thinking back to the last episode when we talked about the well-rounded supervisor myth, so often it means we look at what we want in our lives And we try and think the best way to get there, but we think of this in terms of how other people have done it. How have other people been successful in this regard? Unfortunately, that discounts your individual talents. Like I said in the intro, your specific set of talents is very unique to you. And when you add in all of your life experiences and the combination of talents you have, it's going to be very difficult to look to other people as guides on how you should be doing something. So let's step back. What is a talent? Talent, as defined by Gallup, is a naturally recurring pattern of thought, feeling, or behavior that can be productively applied. So as I said earlier, it goes way deeper than just the behavior. The behavior is part of it, of course, but it's how you feel about the world. It's how you perceive the world. It's how you think about the world. Every time that you walk into a room, your talents are driving. That's how deep they go. If we all came together and had a meeting 
and hopefully a lot of you are listening, so this will be a really big meeting, every one of us would have different expectations, different thoughts about what should or should not happen, different beliefs about ourselves and our role within that group. And those are all driven by our talents. And that can be a fantastic thing if you can harness them. And as we talked about in the definition, that can be productively applied. The flip side of that, of course, is because our talents come so naturally to us and because they are ever present, they can also get us in trouble. The seedy underbelly of our talents are our weaknesses. People often think when they do the assessment, if I look at the bottom of the list, I will know what my weaknesses are. However, all that's really telling you are things that you're not talented at. Let's take bowling, for example. How many of you, raise your hand, or not if you're driving, how many of you are fantastic, awesome bowlers? Now, how many of you are shitty bowlers? If you are not a good bowler, how does this impact your life negatively? It really shouldn't unless you're trying to become a professional bowler. Then it's a weakness not having that particular talent. But for the most part, the things that we are not talented at don't necessarily end up being weaknesses unless, you know, you have to do something like that for your job and it's a struggle for you. And we'll, we'll talk about that later and how you can reframe the talents that you have to be more successful. But just not being good at something doesn't mean it's a weakness. And again, to determine whether or not your talent is behaving as a talent, aka strength, or a weakness, you have to look at what you want to achieve. That's how you measure productivity. And that can be different for everybody. If you have specific goals or outcomes that you want and you're not achieving them, stepping back and looking at how you're using your talents will be a good gauge as to whether or not they're being productive, whether or not you're using them as a strength or whether they're getting in your way. Now, just a second ago, I said, AKA strengths. Now, why am I not just calling the whole thing strengths? We'll just talk about strengths the whole time. I'm a strengths coach, so why not just say strengths? There is a bit of a difference. Talent is the thing that comes super easy to us. It comes naturally. We don't have to think about it. We'll talk about the five clues to talent in a minute. A strength is when you take that talent invest in it so you can consistently produce positive outcomes through near-perfect performance on a specific task. And when I say invest, you've already been doing that throughout your life. You've had these things that come naturally to you. You've learned how to do certain things better. You've learned tips and tricks to get you to go even further. If, for example, one of your talents is being analytical, you've probably learned how to use Excel because that can be really, really handy in analyzing data. If empathy is one of your talents, you've probably learned a lot about human behavior, what works, what doesn't work. You've really grown your EQ. Those are all investments in the talents that you have so that when you use them, you nail it more often than you don't. So we're specifically talking about talents because it's more of the raw form. And we really need to understand that because our talents, again, are the things that can really trip us up, even though when you talk about talents, typically you're like, oh, that's awesome. If you think about somebody who's just naturally good at, say, singing, that's great. Maybe they nail it in church every week, in the shower, they're amazing. And maybe every once in a while they get asked to sing for a wedding or something like that. But if you're not investing in your voice with intentional practice, learning about music, taking care of your voice, then when you use it, you're not always going to know how well you're able to perform, aka be productive. Let's dig a little deeper into the five clues to talent. The first clue to talent is yearning. What do you really want to be doing with your time? If you're stuck in your office and you have to run a bunch of numbers, would you rather be talking to people and making those bonds 
And that can be either from a networking perspective or just building those intimate connections with a few key people. Think about it this way. If you had a weekend free that you could do anything you wanted, typically people say sleep, but that's not what we're talking about. We'll talk about self-care in another episode. If you had a free weekend, what would you really, really want to spend your time doing? The second clue to talent is satisfaction. What are those things that you do that really make you feel like, yes, that was a great use of my time, loved every minute of it, can't wait to do it again? The third clue to talent is rapid learning. What are those things that you pick up instinctively? So quickly, in fact, that you can't explain it. Somebody comes up to you and say, oh my gosh, how long have you been doing this? And you say, I just started doing it right now. And they ask, well, how are you doing it? And you have a hard time explaining it to them because you really don't know, it just kind of happened. The fourth clue to talent, glimpses of excellence. Those are the times where you're doing something and you're like, oh my gosh, I really nailed it. That's amazing. Or other people come up to you and say, wow, I can't believe you did that. I could never do something like that. And what's interesting is often when people come to us and they give us a compliment like that, of course, we're polite and we'll say, well, thank you very much. But in our head, we're often thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. That was super easy. Why are you impressed by that? And that's the thing. We take our talents for granted because they are just that easy for us. And we fail to think about the fact that they are not easy for other people. And in fact, that can get us into trouble when we're interacting with people, because when we go into a room and there's a problem that we're supposed to solve and we start saying the things that are connected to our talents, our beliefs, our perceptions of the world, and we think, well, obviously, this is the best way to proceed. We're taken aback when other people have other ideas and say, well, I really think that we should focus on this instead. And in our heads, we can very easily, if we're not paying attention, think, why are they doing it wrong? That's clearly not the way we should handle this situation. But again, it goes back to the way we see the world. That's how deep these talents go. And hopefully just with that example, you can see how understanding your talents and how they differ from others can be really key when you're dealing with other people. Because if you can appreciate your talents and others, then suddenly when they're saying these things that before you thought were wrong or that's a stupid way to do it, why are they doing it that way? You can now see, okay, well, that's just coming from their talent set, and they're thinking about it in a different way than I am. What value can I take from that instead of just holding my ground and saying, no, you're wrong. That's not the best way to do it. Okay, so the final clue to talent is total performance excellence. What the hell is that? Really, that's a fancy way of saying flow. When you're in a state of flow, you're basically becoming what you're doing. Time both flies by and stands still when you're in this state. Why? Because you're so engaged in what's going on and you're so connected to everything that happens, but in a way you don't even have to think about. Think about a time when you sat down after lunch and you're like, well, I really got to tackle this project. I'm kind of excited about it. You sit down, you're working. All of a sudden, like a half hour later, somebody knocks on your door and says, bye, see you tomorrow. And you're like, oh, are you leaving early? And they're like, no, it's 5.30. You have no idea where the time went because you were so engaged in this particular thing that time just stopped. Not only that, when you're in a state of flow, it can be energizing. Normally when you think of, oh, I just worked five hours on something, I'm exhausted. But often when we're in our strength zone, when we're using our talents to their fullest capacity, that brings us energy or at least doesn't deplete us. We leave, again, 
satisfied that we did it, excited about how well it went, and ready for the evening. We still have a lot of energy that we can give to our family, friends, whatever we're doing that evening, because this came so naturally to us. So if you've never taken Strengths Finder, aka Clifton Strengths, and you don't want to, that's certainly fine. You can figure out what your talents are just by thinking through these five clues. I have strategic as one of my top five. And so I like doing things the shortest way possible. And the reason that I like this and the reason why I got into this at all is because they've done most of the work for you. Well, I shouldn't say that. They've done most of the background work for you. So if you sat there and thought about what do I yearn to do? What am I satisfied when I finish? Blah, blah, blah. You would have to probably do a lot of self-reflection and figuring out like what to call those things. Whereas here, you can just take the assessment and they email it to you two seconds later. And so it gives you kind of a head start because really, whether you've taken this assessment or not, that's really just the first step is figuring out what your talents are because the key is finding out how those talents actually show up for you every day. And they show up every day, again, in a possibly productive way or a way that gets in your way. And if you're not paying attention, you're on automatic pilot and it can lead you down a road of frustration. I often tell my coaching clients or even just in group settings, I tell people that whenever you feel stuck, whether it be with a project or a person, and especially if that person is yourself, it more than likely has to do with your talents not behaving in a way that is being productive. And I do want to clarify, I think I said this earlier, I really want to emphasize that productivity isn't about how many widgets you can do. Like some people like the idea of strengths because, and honestly, like Gallup bills it as it will make you more productive. So often when you think they like, have so much to do, it'd be great to be able to see more students in an hour, or it would be great to be able to get through more spreadsheets in an hour. That's not really what I mean by productivity or, or what they mean by productivity. It really is connected to what goal you have. If your goal is to see more students per hour, then absolutely you can figure out how to do that. But part of that is also analyzing what makes the most sense. Is seeing more students per hour really the end goal? Or is that we need more students to be successful and therefore X, Y, Z? But back to talents. So this is a circus-themed podcast or I don't know that it's circus themed as much as the name is circus adjacent and let's just do the circus thing, right? Let's think about it this way. If you're a circus juggler, a circus juggler? If you are a juggler working at the circus, one of your talents is juggling, right? So whenever you, and again, this is an analogy about how deep our talents go. So if you're a juggler, whenever you walk into a room, what do you look for? You look for things to juggle, right? Or you look for opportunity, like when could I juggle during this meeting? Is there a break where I can juggle? Should I juggle in the middle of it? I see that everybody has brought pens. Could I ask them for their pens? Should I just take the pens and start juggling? Oh, good. It's a catered meeting, so I'm going to use these apples to juggle. That's how your talents show up. If your talent is being analytical, they're constantly looking for things to analyze. If you have a talent theme of restorative and restorative I apologize. I didn't really explain analytical because some of the terms that Gallup uses, analytical, I know what analytical is, dot, dot, dot. Restorative is the ability to see problems and try and fix them. So when other people walk into the room, they may not notice that there's a problem. But if you have restorative, you walk in and you're kind of automatically scanning for what could potentially be a problem. This can be awesome because you pick up on things that other people miss. But again, 
if you're not using it in a productive way, if you're using it in a way that has become a weakness for you, you are finding problems that, yeah, I mean, technically you could correct them, but they weren't a big deal to begin with. So you're looking for problems where they don't really exist. But again, because that's your talent, it's automatically showing up and that's automatically what you're doing. Just like the juggling, if you decide I'm quitting the circus, I'm a juggler, but I'm tired of juggling, I want to go work in an office. You show up for your first meeting, you start juggling things. You go to your back to your cubicle, you're juggling things. People can see the balls or whatever flying over their heads. It's very distracting. Pretty soon, people are going to complain to your supervisor that Brad's always juggling everywhere all the time. One day with my lunch, he just grabbed my lunch and started juggling it. Because if you're not using your juggling or your restorative or if you're analytical in a productive way, it's getting in the way for you or others. In fact, let's talk about the actual definition of weakness. I mostly just said it, but we'll just do it verbatim for fun. Weakness is a shortage or misapplication of talent, skill, or knowledge that causes problems for you or others. When you're frustrated with yourself, it's causing a problem for you. When you're going into a room finding problems that, you know, there's already so many problems in education. Like that's why we have most of the meetings, right? Like we have to do something about enrollment. We have to do something about retention. These students are struggling. What should we do? And you have somebody who's using their, again, talent, but not in a productive way. You're here to meet about this problem that everyone's identified and they're bringing up a ton of other problems. That's no longer productive and everybody thinks you're a downer and you're complicating things when there's already a problem that exists that we know about. In that situation, you're becoming a problem for others as well. Our talents come so easy for us and it's just our natural way of existing and seeing the world. We don't actually mind it, but other people do. Like we're totally cool with sitting there analyzing things forever and we're kind of irritated that Maria shows up and keeps asking about how students are feeling when we're trying to run the numbers and see analytically what's the best course of action. Because people's feelings, like how am I supposed to quantify that? It doesn't work, Maria. Stop asking me that weird question. But in that situation, you're again becoming a problem for others and yourself if being productive means having a good working relationship with Maria. Likewise, if you're there to support students and you're trying to come up with the best decision based solely on numbers, you are probably missing out on some key elements by ignoring what students feel. But again, you don't like doing it because it doesn't come naturally to you. It's weird and icky. And so you go back to the thing that you do naturally, the thing that you do best. And so you can see how if you're not paying attention and when we're stressed, we don't pay attention. We stay in our lane and we really hyper-focus on the things that come easy to us. Why? Because we have so much to do. Better to just do it the way I know how to do it than to go off course and think, well, maybe it would be helpful if we got in some other perspectives or we did it a different way. We don't have time for that, so we do it our way, not realizing that that may not be the best way and it may not lead to the best outcomes. Okay, so let's think about how this impacts you as the supervisor, how it impacts your team, and how it impacts your students or clients. The better that you understand your talents and how they show up for you, the better you can manage them. If you think about your talents as being attached to volume dials, if you're paying attention, you can realize when something is too loud, when something's getting in your way and overshadowing other information or other people. What you can do if you're paying attention is you can turn that down and turn one of your other talents up or let somebody else 
use their talents at that point. But if you don't know what your talents are, if you don't have that self-awareness of what they are and how they show up, you can't do that. Again, you're on autopilot and there's no stopping you, but that's not necessarily a good thing if, again, you're getting in the way of yourself or others. Knowing your talents can also impact you as a supervisor positively because when you know this and you understand that other people have talents that differ from yours, and I'm not saying that you need to therefore take this assessment, memorize all the talents everywhere and everyone's talents, but just understanding that people see the world differently than you do can help you as you're supervising. We all have biases and blind spots often driven by our talents, the way we see the world. And the more that we can realize Ours is not necessarily the best way or the only way, but it is a way that comes easy to us. The easier when we're talking to other people, we can start looking at their behaviors and their perceptions through their talents, as opposed to just being irritated that they're quote unquote doing it wrong. And finally, understanding your talents is important because you can start to let go of this idea that you have to do everything well. Because as we've talked about in the last episode and this episode, that can really get in your way. You can be spinning your wheels and spending a lot of energy doing things that are just not effective or efficient or productive for you or your team or your students or your clients. Another way that this impacts your team and your students is simply by role modeling, focusing on what you do best, your talents, and not just running, running wild with them, but really starting to understand how they show up for you in a good and bad way, and then investing in those so that the good far outweighs the bad. I should stop saying bad, but I should just say the the unproductive way it shows up. The more you can start to mitigate that and, oh, wait, I'm getting frustrated here. What was that thing that typically happens in this situation? Okay, let me adjust my dials. The more you can do that and talk about it, the more your team can start to do that. The more students can start to do that. How many students have come to you and said, I'm stupid. I can't do this. I tried studying one way. It didn't work. I tried studying the same way that Bernice, the best student in the class studies, that didn't work. So obviously the problem is me. No, the problem is not you. It's that you need to find a way that works for you given your talents. So the more that you can help role model this for other people, the more you can help your team and students be successful along the way. And again, before I use this example in reference to your team, but students as well, because we see the world through our talents, And because that comes with a certain set of assumptions about the world and what those behaviors should look like, we approach students and staff members who have different assumptions about the world in a different way. And again, remember, when we're stressed, we really double down on going automatic pilot with our talents, which means they're not always showing up in the best way possible, which means being less patient, being less understanding, and less able to reframe whatever's going on through the eyes of the person that you're trying to help. Because if you can't do that, if you're only trying to help through the way you see the world, you're not going to be very helpful. And other people are going to be frustrated because, okay, yeah, that made a lot of sense what she said. But when I try to apply it, when I try to do it those ways, it doesn't work for me. And you're back to the, there's something wrong with me. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Talents, very important. Driving everything, always showing up, getting you to try and juggle, even when it's not really the right time or place to juggle, and seeing the world through how many things you can throw in the air may not be the best way to approach a problem. So it's really, really important that you understand what your talents are 
and how they show up. So your homework for this week is to identify your talents. Obviously, I've talked about Clifton Strengths, the talent assessment. I think it's great. It does cost money. It's not a ton of money. That's up to you. Probably some of you have already taken it and are thinking, yeah, I did that once and it didn't change my life. But again, that's really just literally step one is identifying what they are so you have a name to call them. The meat and potatoes, the real power of the strengths framework comes from utilizing it in your life every day. So again, your homework. Identify your talents, either take the Clifton Strengths talent assessment or just sit back and reflect. You can ask other people, you can think about your own behaviors and your own thought patterns and go back to those five clues that we talked about earlier. Yearning, satisfaction, rapid learning, glimpses of excellence, and total performance excellence, aka that flow state. Okay, thank you so much for listening. In our next episode, we're going to talk about setting expectations and why that's so important and yet is such a huge frustration for people because we kind of overlook it. So until then, remember to focus on your talents and stay strong. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links as well as other episodes on our website www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th. Go ahead and register now check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links as well as other episodes on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. <laughs>